0: Welcome into a very special edition of the Joel Clatt Show. I'm Joel Klatt. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Remember, uh, subscribe to the show, rate, review us. Uh, but I'm going to jump right into it because today is the day that we have our very first guest ever in the history of the Joel Klatt Show on. And there was never any debate about who that guest was going to be. And that is my partner, my friend, my brother, Gus Johnson, uh, joins the show. What's going on, man? What up, man? Am I? I'm the first guest. You're the very first guest. In wow, fact, I'm honored. W- w- some of the the people on the show were like, "All right, who could we have on this and this?" And I was yeah. like,
1: "No, no, no." no. no. First guest is Gus. <laughs> it's got to be Gus. It better be. How have you been? I'm good, man. Uh, just college basketball season. Yep. Uh, we've seen some good games, some very competitive teams as we head into the Big East tournament and then eventually the NCAA tournament and, uh, been enjoying that, uh, that travel. But I, I, I honestly, I don't know how you do it because I know how tired
0: I am when we get done, uh-huh. right? We call that holiday bowl and I'm like, Oh, and I, I'll go and I take a big break, you know, and you dive right into basketball.
1: See, how do you do it? I think that I just, uh. First of all, it's my job. Yeah. Um, secondly, I love sports. Yeah. You know it. Yep. I mean, it's funny you're sitting here interviewing me. This is so weird. <laughs> Normally, you ask <laughs> me the questions. I'm usually asking you the questions. <laughs>
0: but uh, you always introduce me as my quarterback. That's right. I should
1: introduce you as this is my head coach, Gus Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. You know we have a good time. We've had a good time. Yeah. Eight years now, right? Yes. We just finished
0: our eighth season. Uh, heading for our ninth season. Um, I, I would love to go, you know, cause we've talked about this at, at times over the last eight years, but I would love for you to tell, you know, our, my listeners about a, a couple, you know, one or two of your mentors or, or the people that inspired you the most, the young Gus Johnson, as, as you were coming up and and
1: inspired you to get into this industry. Well, first of all, my number one mentor was my father. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the smartest man that I ever met and he never went past the third grade. So he always tried to impart upon me core, uh, fundamental um, ways of conducting my life. Um, and that really helped me over time as, as I uh, grew up. Um, looking back on it, One of my great mentors was a man by the name of Ray Peters, you know Ray Peters, who was my first sports director in Waco, Texas. And I remember I was uh, 21 years old, making $16,000 a year, and I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed by the technology, meaning having to shoot my own stuff, edit my own stuff, set up my own live shots, set up my own stand-ups. I got overwhelmed. And one day, I I pulled him into into an edit bay. And edit bays, I don't know if you know, but they used to be really small and kind of intimate. And I broke down. I was like, man, I think I'm blowing this. I don't know what to do. And he said, I'm going to help you. So one day when, and he said this, this is my first job. He said, I'm going to help you because one day when you're at the network, those big time producers and directors won't be able to tell you nothing. And he helped me. I mean, we went fundamentals, shooting, editing, um, producing my shows, timing everything out, and I improved. And I think he was... One of the biggest mentors, because he didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we get competitive with yeah. each other. He didn't have to help me. Yeah. And he did. And I'll never forget that. And, uh, and I love him for it to this day. And he's uh, one of the big reasons that uh, I've had success in this, uh, in this industry. Um, when I was in college, I had a professor named Dr. Lee Thornton. She used to be a television anchor in D.C., and she was like my mother for broadcasting. She um, worked with me on my writing back then when I was in college. Yeah. And we put together shows, and I was on TV in college at our uh, our television station at Howard W. Uh, we got W H U R. I forget the name of the station, but anyway, Howard University had its own station. Yeah. And uh, you know just Dr. Thornton and and some of the things he taught me and confidence, everything is confidence um, in this business because you know, when this red light goes on, it's like a gun pointing at you (laughs) and they see everything. That's right. And they hear everything. And and no one can help
0: you at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, once, once that light is on and we talk about this a lot and you've helped me. I mean, when I get asked that question about my mentors, you have become one of those mm. for me in, in my career. And one of the things amongst many that, that you've taught me is, you know, when that red light comes on, all you have is each other. That's right. And it doesn't matter what's going on in the truck or anywhere else, your personal life, anything. Mm-hmm. There's that camera and there's your partner right? and the microphone. And obviously, Jenny being an, an extension of our partnership, mm. you know, down on the sideline. But that helped me immensely, and and so for, for me, it's it's so fascinating to hear you talk about those people in your life and what they taught you because mm-hmm. I see the the fruition of that mentorship mm. every single week. Yeah, your timing is impeccable, mm. you know, and I I believe that that was because of Ray. Your writing is is always good. I always see you jotting things out and and. And you'll talk through with either Scott or myself, you know, how how do we getting into it? How are we getting into the show mm-hmm. and, and setting the story? Mm-hmm. And, and so
1: I see those fruits well, all the time, which is really fun. I got to tell you, man, and I got to tell your listeners that you're unbelievable. <laughs> I really appreciate you. Oh, go you. on. No, come on, man. <laughs> you got to take it. <laughs> Oh, you're unbelievable, you're folks. Too good. You're he too good works. I've never seen I used to work with Mike Mayock. Yeah. Mayock was my partner. We did the Canadian Football League together, two um, great cups, 94, 95. We did uh, college football at CBS. Yep. He was the hardest working dude that I'd ever seen. He was sick about it. And then came you. You are the hardest-working, most detail-oriented person that I think I've ever met in my life. And I really admire that because I'm a scatterbrain. You know, I'm a emotional, humanities kind of guy. But you, in terms of your detail, maybe that was because your dad was in the military. Yeah, he was a Marine. And he must have had, you know... Process. He's, process. Yeah. And I think that for me, Joel... Going back to sports, I'm a point guard. Yeah. I know if I keep your hands full, you're going to make it better for me. And I know that when I put it on a dime for you and you jam it, you feel good. And not only do you feel good, you feel good about me. So all of a sudden now we're working together. Yeah. You know, we're passing. I mean, if you think about it, when you think about our broadcast now, it's almost like, you know, usually the play-by-play man is the host, but it's almost like we're hosting it together, which I really find a lot of uh, safety in. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. You say safety. I say, I, I explain it as joy. Yeah. I experience a lot of joy calling games with you because of, and some things that I want to get into right now, which is, which is style. Um, you know, y- you were instrumental in um, teaching me about style and rhythm, and and not trying to shape my style, but find your own style, be yourself within the rhythm of the broadcast. And you talked about rhythm with me a lot. And it was the first time I'd ever heard about it in terms of um, within a broadcast. Normally, I just thought like, I'm there to give information, you know, the mm-hmm. process-oriented side of mm-hmm. me and, and and give information. But you talked about rhythm and you made an analogy, I remember in our very first year, I don't remember exactly the week uh, or the game, but you made an analogy to, hey, hey man, we're doing a double dutch here. Don't trip the rope. Ha! <laughs> And and you know, you said it as only you can, but it lasted for, and it's, and now I use that analogy as well. And so every single broadcast, what I'm trying to do initially, other than just like inform the viewer and everything is find the pocket. Yeah. You know, like you where is, mm-hmm. where is the pocket today? Cause some games are a little bigger than others, you right. know, and the pocket can be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And, and you, yeah. you taught me that. So. Where did, where did you learn that? I would love to, like,
1: that style, the, the rhythm, where did that come from? I study this, man. I've been, I've been uh, when I found sports casting, I just knew. Mm. No, nothing else mattered. I knew that this is what I was going to do, and this is, you know, who I want to be. So I studied it, I looked at it, I watched it. I, I would go do games when I was uh, working in DC. I would go do games, inner high games, mm. by myself. I would take my tape recorder, I had a microphone, and I would just work on calling. I would prepare for the game, even though I'm sitting in the stands with, with uh, parents. I remember one time this kid broke down the sideline on this big run. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting ready to yell. Oh, it's going to be a touchdown and there's a mom standing right next sitting right next to me. She grabbed my mic and said, "That's my baby. That's my baby." <laughs> well, I grabbed the mic back. I said, "And hey, your baby just scored a touchdown." <laughs> so, um, but I just I've been uh, doing it for a long time and I just I see everything in. It. Yeah because it's a passion and it's obsession of mine. But what I do notice is, what I do notice is that the game has its own rhythm. Mm -hmm. The game is like the musical piece. So what we have to do is be that top note on top of it, that note on top of it, the human voice. And there's a flow to it. And the flows as you said, are different. Some games are defensive games. Some games are big time offensive games. Some g- games are neither offense or defense. it's just awful. yeah <laughs> So you got <laughs> to right you got to find a pocket to communicate with your audience yeah. because the great thing about our jobs, Joel and we have a, res- a lot of responsibility in terms of people let us in their houses, man yeah during their leisure time their downtime, when they want to root for their team. So we have to always give our best, even though some days, you know how it is with me. Some days I'll come in and be like, partner, green light, I don't got it today. <laughs> that's what I say to him. I'll give him the green light. I ain't got it today, man. And then that's why I love him so much because he protects me. You know, it's my quarterback. So. Go. You know, I think that's where, you know, just little things over the years, I mean, 30 years. Yeah, it's it's I'd love to take
0: what you just said. And and it's one of the things that I have grown to understand and really love uh, about you. (laughs) And that is. Well, let me start with this. I think in our industry, way too many broadcasters broadcast for each other and for Twitter elites. And not enough broadcasters remember the guy on the couch who just had a tough week of work. Right. And this is his outlet. Right. And, I, you know, I've heard some people say, like, okay, like, who are you broadcasting to? Who are you speaking to? And you got to try to envision the person that you're communicating to and toward. Hmm. Um, and you're one of the only people that talks about that guy. I think it's what makes you so great. You mean that guy on the couch? That's right. That's a, that's a, the, you know the the I don't I don't even know how to describe him. It's 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 the guy that's making ends meet, you know, that is doing his best as a husband and father or a wife and a mother or whatever it is and and they're working hard and their job probably is really tough. Maybe they got two of them. And now they get to watch their buckeyes mm-hmm. or their wolverines or their badgers mm-hmm. and you broadcast for that person mm-hmm. and not for the executive you know sitting at his desk and i've grown to love that about you and i think that's one of the reasons why every why you're so popular mm-hmm. and and why why people gravitate towards the games that you call mm-hmm. is because they can hear that almost the empathy and and the the recognition
1: of them, mm-hmm. you know, when you call a game. You know, my mom and my dad, we loved sports. Mm-hmm. My mother was an athlete. Yeah. And we would come home, just like you said, that guy you were talking about. That was my dad. My dad worked two jobs, trying to make ends meet. You know. Back then, sending a the kid to private school, it was hard for him, you know, and my mother. But we would sit down, you know, one of our, the fondest, the fondest memories of my childhood was watching sports with my mom and my dad. We would watch number one Michigan football, sure. Bo Shim Beckler and Rick Leach and Anthony Carter and Ron Simpkins. We would watch Tigers baseball, George Kell, Ernie Harwell calling it in 1984. We won it all. Kirk Gibson, Lou Whitaker, Alan Trammell, um, and then Detroit Pistons basketball, Isaiah Thomas That's is all I got to say. We would watch the Red Wings. I remember Reed Larson and Bob Probert. We would watch Hockey Night in Canada when Guy Lafleur was playing in Montreal and Daryl Sittler was playing in Toronto. Um, But those are the fondest memories that I have. Some of the fondest memories that I have as a child. My dad would be tired. Yeah. You know? When he sat down, my mother would make sure that he had his food. And when he sat down, we would watch games and... I always remembered how happy he was, not only to watch the game, but also to be watching the game with his son and his wife and our family. So when I call games, that's who I'm thinking about. Thinking about that guy that was like my dad, that, uh, you know, he's gonna make sure he's got his beer, mama gonna cook something to eat, you know. My dad used to smoke cigars, exceptionelles El Producto, El Producto, exceptionelles. So he'd have his cigar and his beers and his food and we're watching the game and we're yelling at the TV and mama would always, you know, we were all Michigan, Detroit fans. So mama would always, just to give us a hard time, root for the other team. <laughs> I was like, ma, why are you rooting for Ohio State? Well, I just think that they got a better team than Michigan this year. I'm t- Mama, the game is on right now. Like I, we, Daddy. Hey, man, I ain't got nothing to say. So, um, that's hilarious. That's the guy I, I'm really. That's in my mind. I think that know. joy comes out,
0: you know, in, yeah. in your style mm-hmm. and in your calls, which which have become iconic. Mm-hmm. This one might be a little bit more difficult. Do you have? pet peeves of the
1: industry pet peeves like what
0: like and again we, we you and i would never like throw stones in glass houses but just like what you hear out there which has become you know like there's so many sports on television or when you listen you know do you have any
1: pet peeves of what's going on i, I just like to hear the guys tell more stories mm-hmm. um I'm not a numbers guy. And it seems like one of my pet peeves now is that everything is, is too numbers oriented. Analytics, and I understand that there's a place for that. But to me, as Rune Arledge, the legendary ABC president, ABC sports president once said, the key to sports broadcasting is to get up close and personal. Who are these people? Who are these young men? You know, who is this kid? Where did he come from? He come from? What'd you say? Well, uh, I said uh, he's a junior college transfer. Right, right. From I think it was College of the Canyons. Right, Hollywood right. Brown. Hollywood Brown. That's right. That's what makes. Yeah, Hollywood Brown puts up in college big numbers, and but who is he? The guy was right. working at an amusement park. Yeah. Why did he have to go to junior college? Right. How did he get to Oklahoma? He will walk. To practice from the amusement part, in his uniform, yep. that kind of hustle and passion—it's something like a, a testament to the human spirit. Yeah. So pet peeves, I just—I just want to hear more about the people, and but you know, everybody's at different levels, and you know, I see a lot of young guys out there that are doing great, um, trying hard, trying to fit in. But, you know, what I have to realize is that society is changing and I am getting older and I am, you know, I am getting older. And uh, I remember how I used to be, but how I used to be ain't how it is now. I mean, look at you. You got a podcast. You got Twitter. <laughs> you got Instagram and Facebook and all this kind of stuff, which drives me insane. Yeah. You know me. I'm, You're not on it. No. No social media. Mm-mm. Social media will get me unsociable. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, man. Sports, all stuff. All right. Here's, a, here's, here's what uh,
0: I think will be a, a fun one. Okay. What's your biggest pet peeve about me?
1: Only How much one. time only, we got? I was going to say only one. Only <laughs> How much one. time we got? Only one. Um, That's a good question. I think my biggest pet peeve about you is your greatest strength. You work so damn hard. <laughs> Sometimes, folks, I'll be hungry in the middle of the night or thirsty, so I'll go down to the conference room and, um, you know, try to grab some chips or, Um, some tea, iced tea. And it could be one in the morning and you're still there. (laughs) That's like, what else do you not know? I just don't... My pet peeve is I don't like it. And you've gotten better at this over the years. There was a time when you were putting so much pressure on yourself. Yeah. So much pressure on yourself. And I understand preparation is key especially for your role and I just wanted to see you enjoy it and be confident that you're there because you're supposed to be there you're there because you're great at what you do and everybody knew that you were gonna continue to grow um, except for you you know that's exactly the answer I
0: actually thought you would give right is you used to tell me like relax God, like, it'll, it'll be like, like take the boulder off your shoulder. Yeah, like, please, relax. You're here. You're here. And I'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I was, be, I've
1: got to be great. Gotta be great. You'd right. be like, hey man, you get, you got the job. You're right. with me. Right. Relax. You're <laughs> with me, yo. I'm not gonna let you fail. Right. And you're not gonna fail because so you're true. too doggone good. But you gotta, you know, how old are you? You're forty, right? Forty-one. You know. I got socks older than you. <laughs> um, oh man. What I what I realized about you is that you're hard on yourself. Yeah. Like really hard on yourself, dude. And you're so good. It's scary, man. I'm scared because I hope they never take you away. You know, they always come and take my partners. <laughs> Charles Davis goes to CBS. Jimmy Jackson works at CBS and at uh, Turner. I taught him. We've been working. Jimmy told me the other day we've been working together for 17 years. Have you? Going back to our days, the Big East, I mean, the Big Ten Network. They come and take Raph. I just don't want them to. I might have to, you know what? I might have to go get my Roscoe if somebody comes trying to get (laughs) you. That's too funny.
0: You know? That's too funny. We, um, Gus and I, have such, you know, different backgrounds and styles, and and it's it's a lot of what makes it work, you know, and and because the sound is, and we, that's all we ever talk about is the rhythm and the sound, and something that I certainly uh, enjoy and and appreciate about. But I, I'm interested, to like. What are some of your favorite calls of the last eight years do you remember you know because I I've got a couple let me give you a couple
1: of mine um of I gotta just tell you something and I don't know if you notice I don't really pay attention to what I say I I do know that it actually. just kind of comes out of my mouth that's right and I'll tell you sometimes I'm like man
0: that was such a that was such a good call you said and you you, you look at me with almost a a,
1: a a look of shock and be like I said that? I'm right. like, yes, to right. millions of people. <laughs> right, right. Because my whole thing is I want to just be engaged. Yes. Plugged in. You know, sports for me, especially sports broadcasting, it's um, it's my sanctum sanctorium. Yeah. Uh, even when I was a kid and I would play ball, you'd know this. Yeah. You go out on that, f- you know, field or court, I used to play hockey as a kid on the ice. And I, I would like, I, I used to love to practice because I would practice by myself. So, sports, I felt, was a safe place. The safe tree, I think that's what they, the term they use now. So, when it comes to the call, you know, re, you know when I first started, Joel, and I started getting traction about my work. And they would say the call this, the call that. And I was like, what? what's the big deal? Because we can't see ourselves. I can't have the experience that the viewer or the fan is having watching myself call the game. So I don't really know what they've experienced. Yeah. So, but I but I do remember people, certain people. Like Hollywood Brown, man. J.K. Dobbins. DJ Graham. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. Martinez steps up. Throws. Oh, what an interception! Oh my gosh! DJ Graham! Give me that, Odell!
0: Can I tell you a quick story about that? What? About DJ Graham. What? This is is the yin and yang that you're going to get from you and I. So, DJ Graham is a defensive back for OU. They're playing Nebraska. He makes one of the most incredible interceptions either of us have ever seen. Ever seen. You lose your mind, appropriately so. Uh, I think Hollywood was actually on the sideline sitting right there, and Trey Young, remember? They were both there. Yeah. Like, watching. They're losing their minds. And, And all I'm doing is cringing cuz it's fourth down. I should have batted it down, <laughs> But right? that's why I love but, you. But it's like I can't say that. I can't say that. Right. You know? And right. so I was just like, ah, "That was great. That was amazing."
1: <laughs> but that's why I like where your mind is oh, always. Oh man. The voice of reason. That's
0: that's logic. funny. I I wrote down the Hollywood Brown. I I remember the moment that that you said it. The first time, it was a game at Kansas State, actually. Mm-hmm. And then he really exploded against Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. But then the next season, with Kyler Murray and their first game against UCLA, you had what I thought was one of like the best calls I've ever heard, period.
1: Third down and 14 to the 42. Kyler Murray delivers. And it's caught. Hollywood!
0: Hollywood breaks on a little slant. And from our view up in the terrible Oklahoma booth, Oklahoma, you got to fix your booth, although you guys are leaving conferences. So, whatever, pound sand. Um, He breaks a little slant and Hollywood catches the ball. And from our seat, you can tell it's like no one's going to get it. Nobody. But he's like at the 50, right? Right. So it's, and he's kind of in the middle of the field and people might have an angle. And you, just came with it right away at the 50 you said Hollywood and then you just said lights camera Mm -hmm. action and it's like you didn't wait till he was near the end zone you didn't wait till he was near the red zone it was like mid play you came with lights camera action and I remember like the hair on my arms rose just because of I was like that's brilliance and greatness right there your oh, timing you. everything about it that thank was one of my so favorite much. moments that we've had together right there man
1: we've had some moments we have i used to love jk dobbins yeah jk all day when jk left i was like man maybe i should just start calling joel jk all day <laughs> But then <laughs> no, J.K., the real J.K., he would be like, come on, Gus, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, that's right. You that's know, exactly oh, right. man, I love that kid. I love that kid. What a story. Yeah, right? it was a great – he's got a a, a wonderful story uh,
0: and then obviously a wonderful career. Hollywood was uh, similar to that. Um, last thing, I, and then I want to get into to what's going on this weekend mm-hmm. because you've got – an unbelievable documentary about you and your fall. And I'm going to get into that in, in just a moment. But I, I, before we get done talking about just kind of like our relationship, broadcasting in general, um, the first game we ever broadcasted together was Jim Harbaugh's first game at Michigan. Hmm. It was at Utah. Oh, yeah. Remember I remember that. that? And... um it was it was a big deal, you know. Remember, we had the, we, Fox did the khaki bus, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the whole promotional that deal, cool. and I was terrified because I I didn't know if I could be next to you, you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the level that that I had just thought, and you were very get gracious, but then you you said something to me. I'll n- never forget. And I love telling this story. And it was about maybe like 10 minutes to kick, five minutes to kick. And you kind of grabbed my arm and you said, and remember, remember. And I, I thought, like, this is it. Like, this is the one piece of advice that, and you said, you hit the singles, but I hit the home runs. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that loosened you up a little bit, right? (laughs) It did. And I kind of chuckled and I thought to myself, he's exactly
1: right. (laughs) There's no reason I need to be be nervous. I think the reason, I know we're good. I know we're good. Yeah. Because we got a sound. And the reason that we have a sound and that we're good is because we share. And I think that's really what it's all about. Yeah. I want you to be great. I want you to fulfill all your dreams and make all the money and enjoy your life. You are a great ambassador for us. I really appreciate all the things you do going to the National Football Foundation banquet, which is like still going on somewhere in some dimension around the world <laughs> in the universe. That thing goes on forever, right? It does, it does. They shortened it up. It was only like a little over three and a half right, hours this exactly. year. You see the coaches at the bar. Yeah, that's right. In the middle of it. But, you know, you do such a great job and we got a sound and we got a friendship. Yes. And I think, you know, I told you when we first started working together, right now they say we're partners. And hopefully we'll become friends. But the true magic comes when we're brothers. Mm. And that's what we are now. That's right. Yeah. It only took eight years. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't take eight years. It's
0: been an incredible ride so far. And, I mean, you say you don't want him to take me. How do you think I feel? I'm like, Ah, don't don't take my man. Don't take my man, Frank. He is... You've taught me so much, uh, not just about the industry and broadcasting, but also uh, as a father, you know, and um, and as a son. Uh, last thing I'll say before we get into that is you talked about your dad and and how much he meant to you and all the conversations that you used to have with him. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that Gus always asks me every single week, every single Thursday night, usually sometimes Friday morning, when we first see each other for the week. He says two questions, how's your dad? And have you talked to him? And I really appreciate that because you, know, you have reframed even the way I view my relationship with my own father. And thankfully he's,
1: he's still around for me to enjoy that. So thank you. Yeah, man, I lost both my parents. Yeah. My dad died in 2009, mama died in 2014. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss them. Mm. Even if I could just hear their voice and just hear my dad yelling at me or telling me I was a knucklehead. So we have to love our parents for all of their warts and their wonders. Because Joel, as I tell you, when they gone, they gone. Yeah, He ain't coming back. No. Not that we know of. Yeah. So enjoy them while they're here. Because they have so much wisdom and they've taught you so much. They've made so many sacrifices for you. Let's think about the sacrifices that your parents have made and they're unsung. Just so you could have a great life. You can have, Daddy used to always say, the number one universal law is self preservation. Just so you can have a chance to survive in this world, and uh, I miss my mom, I miss my dad every day, but they live on in my heart Mm -hmm. and in my mind and what, what they taught me. So that's why I'm always asking you, man, how let your old man, you know, let bygones be bygones, you know, there's no manual on raising children. I know that. You learn, right? <laughs> well, I'm learning that in Great. a big way.
0: So, um, this weekend, um, show is, uh, I'm as excited about this show as I've been excited about anything in a long time. Uh, the doc- documentary about Gus, Back to School, Gus Johnson Goes Back to School, uh, is going to drop. It drops Saturday night, 7 p.m. on Fox. Right before Gus calls the Michigan Michigan State game. More on that in, in just a moment. But first,
1: do you want to go back to school? Man. When we remember COVID? Oh yeah. When we were really locked in the house. Yep. I mean really locked in the house. Yep. You couldn't even go hit golf balls. That's right. Especially
0: especially here. You were in LA at the time. Right. I was in Orange County in, in
1: California. I mean out here. They shut down the beach. Everything. The you couldn't go to the beach. Yeah, couldn't do anything. I remember almost getting a ticket because I snuck out and went to the beach. And the, um, the beach patrol came by and said, man, you got to go. I was like, gosh. So what, during the midst of that, I suffered. I got paranoid. When you turn your TV on and you know, I'm watching Dr. Anthony Fauci every day tell us, It made it feel like it was hopeless, you know, at times. I got depressed. And I remember saying to myself, if and when things get back to normal, I'm going to do something so I can go be around people. Remember, Joel, they canceled Michigan, Ohio State. Remember, we were down in Champaign. They canceled Ohio State, Illinois. I'm like, what the heck is going on? This is weird. This is surreal. Nobody in the stands. We called a nope. whole year of football. Nobody in nobody. the nobody. So I wanted to be around people, and I wanted to refresh my brain. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for a long time now, thirty years. I got you know, I know how to do my job, but I wanted to learn about other things. That's why I I I decided to go back and uh, and try and try to heal. Yeah. In a way. <clears throat> Try to learn. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah, I needed to. You know, after going through all that, I think we all needed some therapy. And and what you have talked about with me about what you love
0: about college athletics is the vibrance of and the youthfulness mm-hmm. um, and the excitement of the campus. Not even just the event, but the mm-hmm. campus. Right. And so, you know, seeking that, you know, at Harvard, no less. Mm-hmm. How did you land on Harvard, by the way?
1: Tommy Amaker. Okay. Tommy Amaker and I go back 25 years to the time when he was an assistant at Duke for Coach K. And uh, he's gone on to Seton Hall, Michigan, now Harvard. We just have always stayed in contact with each other. We've always had a a special relationship. So I reached out to a couple of schools, Harvard being one of them, Tommy, and uh, I felt kind of good, y'all. He started recruiting me <laughs> he was like, "You coming here, you ain't going nowhere else I'm like, okay, I don't know who he's talking to. that's Harvard, me, but uh you know, I applied to the program, wrote my paper and you know faculty interviews, yeah. and, you know recommendation letters and stuff like that and just it was the it was divine yeah. It was just the right place, right time. What was your favorite part? I,
0: I, I haven't even asked you this yet, because I mean, listen, during the year, you were in it, yeah. you know, and busy, and I could see it, right. And you, you know, there were weeks when you'd come in and be like, "Hey, man, green light," right. You know, <laughs> right. And so I didn't press you a lot on on what was going on because I knew games were enough, you know, and and I knew I needed to be prepared for my section of the game mm-hmm. so that your burden would be light mm-hmm. you know but now in high like what was your favorite part was it a class or, or anything the, my
1: favorite part was the people you know 55 years old you don't really make new friends yeah but i have 48 people in my cohort who are my classmates who i'm going to know for the rest of my life who come from all over the world mm. the republic of georgia chile Uh, Bulgaria, um, Mexico, Ecuador, Singapore, India, um, China. Oh, brilliant people. I mean, brilliant people. It's a 48-man roster. Your man came in at number 48, and I'm okay (laughs) with that. I'm all right with that. Hey. As long as I make the team, right? That's right. That's right. You're in the team picture. Right. I'm in the picture. And uh, that's what I like the most my professors. You know, I have one professor in particular by the name of Dr. Professor David Carrasco. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's Mexican. And we call him Profe out of the School of Divinity. He specializes in divinity and anthropology. Study of society and man and what man believes in different cultures. And he turned out to be my mentor. Mm. And he's going to be in my life for the rest. He's the smartest. You know, Socrates said, The one thing I know is that I know nothing. When you're around these people, these, I mean, Joe, rock star professors, rock star professors. Now, you can teach yourself, you can educate yourself, but it's nice to have a curriculum for you and then professors come in and explain it even more. Sure. So are we go to these deep dives, man. <clears throat> Race, human rights, uh, mental health, mm-hmm. gun control, gun safety, um, climate change. And they would come bring in some of the most incredible speakers yeah. and professors that just knew it. Not only did they knew, know it back backwards and forwards, they wrote the book, right? <laughs> Please go to the fifth chapter I wrote. I wrote, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I just thought that that was so refreshing. And then having a the chance to be around the undergrads, it's so funny, man. That's why, you know, we're in college. I mean, we're in college sports, and I would be in class with undergraduate students. And they would look at me and go, aren't you? I was like, yeah. Was like, oh, what are you doing here? I was like, man, trying to learn me something. But I saw that youth. Yeah. I saw kids trying, trying so hard with pressure, looking at you with those eyes, hopeful eyes just wanting to be encouraged, wanting to know that they're on the right path. Just somebody confirm it. I remember this one young lady. I spoke at Harvard. I spoke it in front of Dr. Carrasco's class to the students. class was called Inner Dimensions of the Human Experience Apocalypse, Divinity School class. And I remember after, during my speech, I think I told him about, talked about trying hard and just trying to move forward and setting goals for yourself. And then this one young lady came down, because after the class, they all wanted some of them wanted to come down and, and meet and shake hands and stuff. And one of young lady said, you know, she's a medical school student, major pressure. She's uh, in undergrad getting ready to go to medical school and uh brilliant kid. She said, uh, you talked about goals. Well, what do I do when I set my goals and I attain them? And I felt like a coach. I felt like a coach, like Coach Saban. Well, when you attain your goals, you set new goals always have a goal and she looked up at me and she smiled and she said thank you so much I said no thank you um I can't wait to watch it yeah uh uh,
0: doc drops again 7 p.m on Saturday Fox February 18th um back to school with Gus Johnson and it's gonna air right before you call what has now become and will be um, an incredibly emotional night. Um, Obviously, you talked about being from Detroit. um, And with everything that just took place on the campus at Michigan State, Michigan State coming over and their basketball team playing the Wolverines in Ann Arbor. um, Man, there's, there's no better person to call this game than you because you know who you're broadcasting to and for you have empathy for that person and you understand those people and it's certainly going to be an emotional night it was already going to be emotional obviously for you with this 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 show dropping but now um, you know calling that game uh amidst this uh, terrible tragedy and I know that you've probably thought about it a lot but Saturday night for you, what, what are your, your hopes for, for that game and, and for what you can
1: provide? Well, you know, my producer for basketball is Steve Shear. Yep. You know Steve. His son goes to Michigan State. His son is actually a manager on Michigan State's basketball team. And, you know, Steve was in Chicago doing a college ball game when all this happened, and, you know, his son was shaken up, scared. And Steve was it up. Um, I called Will, his son, and we talked. And, uh, you know, man, you send your kid to college, which is supposed to be a safe place. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know it's going to be an emotional night. But I don't know how it's going to pan out. I don't have any idea what I'm going to say to start that broadcast. And Steve is going to be producing the broadcast. Um. I think the silver lining in it for the boys is maybe they could take that two hours and just play some ball and get their minds off something. Get their minds off. Those kind of things. Yeah. So. Um.
0: Well, I do know that there's there's no better broadcaster that could be on that game uh, than you. Um, man, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on, being, being my first guest. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your willingness to teach and help me mm-hmm. uh, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the absolute best. I still pinch myself every Saturday when we come on the air. Big noon Saturday. There you hey, go. let And I'm do just it. like, here we go. Here we go. Um, and I know all of you at home feel the same way. So thank you, you for for so much,
1: obviously. you going to cash at me. What's that? you going to cash at me. No. You got to pay me, right? No. Huh? It, what? I thought
0: we. I were, thought this was a paid gig. We were doing this What's out of the going on? bottom of our heart with it. <laughs> Like your dad said, you feel good when there's a dollar in your pocket. There you go. Right? That's right. Oh, man. I love it. Uh, I appreciate you uh, it, and you very much. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. You got it, man. You feel me just as much as I feel you. February 18th, Saturday night, back to school with Gus Johnson. Tune in 7 p.m. right before that Michigan, Michigan State broadcast. And uh, I know I'm going to be uh, – all eyes and ears watching that show thank you for tuning in we're going to be having some more interviews during the course of the off season, and as we move into late february and march a lot of draft content coming up so thank you for listening folks and have a great week